Welcome back, everybody, to the podcast. It is Be Kind Rewind, and my name is Gabe. I'm Logan. And I'm Kyle. We're talking about the year 2003, and it was a decent year in, in cinema. Um, there was a, a few, uh, better than a few, more than a few. There were a lot of good movies that came out this year, but uh, a lot of okay movies. And a lot of bad movies. This was, I don't know. I liked this year. This was a fun year, and maybe it was because this was probably the year I really started to go to a bunch of movies. I had driver's license. I had my freedom. I saw a lot of movies this year, okay. and I enjoyed most of them. They were not all good, yeah. but I had a lot of fun going to the movies this year. Yeah, there, I mean, there was uh, notably there was a movie that was built up because um, the first movie was supposed was supposedly one of the best movies of all time. Bad and Boys then- too. That's what came out this year, um, and then uh, but actually that's another sequel that came out, and then another sequel that came out. Actually, there were two sequels that came out in one year: The Matrix Reloaded and The Matrix Revolutions. Now, um, in my humble opinion, The Ma- Matrix Reloaded gets a lot of flack um, for being one of the worst sequels ever, even though it wasn't actually that bad. Because I mean, it, it was terrible considering The Matrix was amazing and mind blowing. And uh, for lack of a better term, revolutionizing. Um, but that was the third one. I know, right? That also came out this year. And uh, but the Reloaded had probably the best action sequence in all three movies with the highway chase scene. And um, correct me if I'm wrong. Don't but, yeah. look at me. I refuse to watch these movies. You refuse to watch these. I movies. refuse to watch. These. I love the Matrix so much that I I really. Knowing what I know, as much as I know about the sequel, I don't want to tarnish it. I love The Matrix, and I'm sure there's good stuff in Reloaded. Yeah, there is. But, I, I, yeah, I refuse to watch these movies. I, that, why would you refuse to watch a sequel to one of the best movies of all time? I mean, like, like it continues on that story. I mean, not, it's not as nearly as good, but still, the action was right there. I even didn't mind the whole Neo versus uh, 30 different or 50 different uh, Agent Smiths, um, that fight in the schoolyard that was actually, in my opinion, very good, very fun action scene. But yeah, the highway chase scene, if you're going to watch the movie for any reason, it's the it's that scene alone. So, yeah, well, I think Matrix Reloaded kind of what tarnishes it is the fact that it's it by itself is an incomplete film like it leaves such a cliffhanger it really does for revolutions and then revolutions doesn't really stick the landing yeah um so Correct. i think that's what kind of in hindsight then tarnishes yes i was just uh, gonna say matrix Re- reloaded yes it, that's what i was gonna say is that revolutions legitimately is a terrible movie um, with kind of no redeeming uh, quality about it, um, but yes, you are correct. It does feel like an in- reloaded. Does feel like an incomplete movie because they, the group, is on their way to go s- fight the bad guy at the end, and then it just says to be continued, and yeah. that was a real kind of uh, rip the rug out from underneath you kind of moment. Yeah. Whereas, like the original Matrix is very much a complete movie, Absolutely. a complete story that. Mm-hmm doesn't seem like it needs to continue but then it's like oh okay i guess we're back in this world no well and that was one of the reasons i, I don't want to watch the sequels is they told the story they told it well they don't have to wrap everything up because you know how things are going to wrap up yeah you know, you know how things are going to resolve and to undo that to make two sequels they had to unravel some of the work that they'd done it was established in the first matrix movie that neo could beat agent smith that you know he was the one and then they had to go and figure out a way for there still to be dangers that he couldn't beat. And I, I have yeah, no interest in seeing them. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Uh, moving on then, um, another movie that came out this year was um, a couple early on Marvel movies were uh, Daredevil yes. with Ben Affleck. And less also, said the better. Less said the better. Um, I'll defend it if we want to talk about it. I like that movie. Don't was, love it. It's a bad movie, but I like it. I was going to say it was, <laughs> it was already touched upon in uh, Always Foggy and Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. It was like, I just recently rewatched it. It's garbage. <laughs> um, garbage. I'll go director's cut over regular cut. Director's we, cut watched the dr- we, yep. d- we watched the director's cut. It and was bad. Electra's terrible. Jennifer Garner's terrible. Ben Affleck's not great, but Michael Clark Duncan is quite solid. Um, Colin Farrell is an excellent cast. Oh, it's got your buddy Colin. Uh, does have my buddy Colin Farrell. Joe Pantoliano is, is a great is, Ben yep. Urich. Um, it has good things about it. It's just not a whole good movie. It's not even a whole decent movie. It's it's poor. 
but I enjoy it. Yeah, it has redeeming qualities. Fair enough. Um, another Mar- early on Marvel movie that came out this year, um, Hulk. Um, it was the <laughs> guy, the director. Ang Lee. It was Ang Lee. Lee. Thank you. Who is a legitimately great director, and the fact that, er, and, and then his uh, turn in the Hulk universe was awful. I it was a very lonely movie. It was yeah. it wasn't fun at all. I thought um it was more about I felt it was more about this guy who has extreme anger issues and that just doesn't make for a good summer blockbuster movie. Uh, the action wasn't all that great or memorable. No, well, I mean I feel like the biggest problem or one of the biggest problems with it was that Ang Lee tried to do something smart. He tried to figure out how to make a movie that felt like a comic book, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that said, hey, you know, we're, we're taking this. This is something different. This is a comic book movie. But yeah. instead of doing it, say, the way Sin City does it, you know, in, in years to come, which is with the color palette and, and the shooting style, he tried to actually panel the movie. You know, he has sequences where there are three or four frames at once. Yeah. And it doesn't, it, it's the most misguided attempt at that that I could think of. Anybody with half a brain should go, well, this won't work because in the comic book, you can look at all of these. In a film, everything's moving. You don't know what the heck to look at. It's just, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a mess. Yeah, uh, actually, speaking of uh, Sin City, uh, one of my honorable mentions was the movie that Robert Rodriguez did right before Sin City, which was Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Oh, lovely. Uh, the the end of his El Mariachi, El Mariachi trilogy, mm-hmm. a, probably the weakest installment, but... It's still a fun movie. It's still a fun movie. Uh, Johnny Depp is ridiculous in it. Yep. Um, probably his second most over-the-top role of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is saying something. Uh, it's got Enrique Iglesias, if I'm not Enrique mistaken. Enrique Iglesias as one of the other mariachi <laughs> band members. With the flamethrower guitar case. Yeah, I, the, I love the fact that the guitar cases just get more and more ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, a gun hidden in a guitar case. Mm-hmm. And now it's like a rocket launcher yeah. and a flamethrower and just all this random stuff. I was, he really was to certain degrees, a grindhouse director before he even made grindhouse. Yep. And, but he, he even admits that, um, bet- between these sequels and, and, uh, the spy kids movies, he was testing out technology for, Oh. movies that he'd make later on and like he was testing out cgi stuff in as he said like a hey these franchises are working let me test this little element let it's me test not an excuse for spy kids well <laughs> i like the i like the first two spy kids movies. let's say i heard spy kids is actually a pretty decent franchise Spy kids the, like i said the first two are actually a lot of fun uh, for kids movies mm-hmm. uh, but he, he said he was testing out technology and testing out these digital effects X houses for Sin City actually um, because he knew he wanted to do that movie so he was testing out little things here and there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah good stuff what what, uh, what else came out in uh, 2003 Logan so uh, a lot of stuff there's a lot of good stuff um, <laughs> I'm gonna talk about one that most people do not regard as good it is nothing like the comic it's based on. The creator has super distanced himself from it. Everybody hates this movie. I love it. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay. I It, it is a franchise that could have been. It was meant to be you know, yep. the first in a bunch of movies. It's basically, it's a superhero movie, but instead of modern superheroes, you have classics of you know victorian era literature yep. you know you have alan quartermain from the h rider haggard novels you have they shoehorned in um tom sawyer who was not in the original comic yeah because yeah, they, they said they wanted a an american, an american character presence, yeah. made no sense and really was one of the weaker parts of the movie yeah um you had jekyll slash hyde uh, mina harker from dracula and you know so those are your superheroes and it's a traditional superhero story you have a megalomaniac he wants to, you know, start World War Three. It's just, it's delightful. It's it's Stephen Norrington who directed the first Blade movie. Yep. Um, this was the unfortunate end of his career because it went over so badly that it kind of stopped him making movies. 
Um, but I, I don't understand why, other than it wasn't what people expected and people didn't know what to make of it. Because yeah. um, it's really a super fun film. It, yeah, it's a super fun film uh, actually written by uh, comic book writer James Robinson and who actually just recently commented on... Because he has gotten a lot of flack uh, for this movie uh, because like studio notes and stuff like that change the direction and how beloved the source material is. Um that yeah, he makes fun of how terrible this movie ended up in uh, his recent comic book Airboy, uh, mm. which and- is a, a bummer to me because again, I I have a huge soft spot in my heart for this, and I don't think even acknowledging that it's not a great film, it's not as bad as people make out. Yeah, it's not as bad as people make it out to be. Uh, there's actually some fun performances like Peter Wilson as as Mina Harkness is actually fairly good casting for that role um especially how they did it like they did a more femme fatale little kind of take on that character or and let's not forget this is the sadly the end of sean, Connery. sean connery's career yeah. since he retired after um but he's a lot of fun in this movie he is he is and i, I actually really i don't remember who plays him but the guy who does jekyll is actually he plays it really well um, I, I do not recall his name, but anyway, I I don't want to uh, you know sidetrack us too much. But this is a movie that if you haven't seen it and you've heard bad things, ignore them. Go watch it. Make up your own mind. I like that. Make up your own mind. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's uh, Jason Fleming that plays Jekyll. He's he's kind of one of those. He was in uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking mm-hmm. Barrels and Snatch. Um, I I always like to call them the Guy Ritchie Matthew Vaughn players because it seems like they're. <laughs> Always. They're always yep. in those movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got another movie that uh, we kind of briefly touched on this last episode about the Fast and the Furious franchise. This was the sequel to um, 2001's uh, Fast and the Furious. is Too Fast, Too Furious. And at the time, everybody was rolling their eyes saying, what a ridiculous title, what a ridiculous premise. Little did they know they can top that. Every single time. And... Um, this was uh, Paul Walker's uh, next step in his character as Brian, and they introduced Tyrese into the franchise. And, and Ludacris. And Ludacris, but Tyrese was, in my opinion, a fun character in that franchise. He's always complaining, he's always kind of whining a little bit about the action that they're supposed to be doing on screen, and he's not really, he's always reluctant to do it, do it all, but and he, I think he's fun, so... Uh, good little addition to the fast and the furious franchise right there it's got some it's got some fun action in it um yeah speaking of additions to good franchises we've got uh, terminator 3 this year yeah which i feel like i'm alone i really like terminator 3 love terminator it's an all-time great film yeah nothing else in the franchise can touch it but terminator 3 is probably my second favorite and behind, I know I yeah behind Terminator Two yeah okay mm-hmm. that's fine I just think that Terminator Three was basically Terminator Two just sure with but the girl it, with fewer of, annoying characters the guy and I, I have major issues with Terminator Two which a lot of people will hate because Terminator Two is beloved and it's yeah, James Cameron it and blah 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 but uh, I do not really like Terminator Two all that much um, and wait so you like Terminator Three more than Terminator Two I do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, we can have of... another episode where we just talk about Terminator. We don't have to get into that now if you want. But oh, it's, uh... Okay. Well, I can't even form words right now because of how we'll just do an episode listing the listing the Terminator films. There we go. There's enough of them. At <laughs> they this are. Point. There, there are. are. Oh my gosh. And there's one. And they're really all great over one. the map in terms of yeah. quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Terminator Two is the best uh, Terminator fran- or Terminator uh, movie of all time, in my opinion, in a lot of people's opinions, because that's the right way to go. Uh, and let's not forget too, this year uh, we had Underworld come out. Oh yeah, which that's was true. I I actually forgot about. I that. I felt like that was destined to be a forgotten movie, and suddenly it turned into how many movies are in that franchise now? Five, uh, six, four or five. Yeah, yeah. I, it seems like every few years. It's dead, and they're like, "Oh no, we're actually going to do another one." Oh wait, we're going to reboot it now. Oh hey, we're going to have this. Uh, yeah, that that yeah. franchise has incredible legs. Yeah, yeah. I had actually forgotten that that movie came out this year. Otherwise, it probably would have been in my top an ten. Entirely forgettable film. I've seen multiple films in that franchise and can remember zero plot details other than that there's vampires and werewolves and lichens, not werewolves. 
no, they're werewolves. Okay. Sorry. Fair enough. What? So. Oh, yeah. Um, well, one more movie, at least, that I just want to briefly touch on before we do- do- jump into our top ten is um, The Italian Job. That was a fun action movie. It is. Introduced America to Mini Coopers and um, <laughs> introduced the movie world to Mos Def. Mos Def. And he is a great actor who has been in some not great movies, but he's also been my favorite parts of those not great movies. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm, um, being that one of that, those examples. Martin Freeman was in it too, but um, but I thought Mos Def was the best part of that. Even your, even your buddy Sam Rockwell's in that movie. Yeah. Couldn't save that one. Um, but yeah, tw- uh, Italian Job. It's got Marky Mark. It's got Jason Statham. It's got Ed Norton. It's got, it's got Ed Norton. It's got Donald Sutherland. It's got Charlize Theron and uh, and then Seth Green. That's right. That's Seth right. Green. And uh, fun fun action movie, heist movie. Um, just not very big. Uh, didn't make a whole big lot of money at the. No, box the funny office, thing but... is though, for the last fourteen years, they have talked on and off about the sequel, The Brazilian Job, and it's never gotten off the ground. Sure. But they have talked about it and yeah, tried to make a sequel. It, yeah, for yeah, forever. Yeah, and that's probably like you'd imagine at this point, if Mark Wahlberg wanted to make the sequel, it, it would happen. Yeah. So yeah. it's clearly he doesn't feel like doing it. Yeah. Or Jason Statham doesn't want to be in another car movie. <laughs> yes. He really probably does, does but because he likes cashing your choice. Yes. Yes, he does. Um, all right. So no, that, that, that about wraps up um, all of those. All the honorable mentions. Yeah. Well, let's dive, dive into the uh, top 10 here. My, not, my top 10 is um, a Quentin Tarantino joint. Um, <laughs> Kill Bill Volume 1, it is uh, my second or third favorite Tarantino movie, and I've talked on a previous episode before, or multiple episodes, I personally am not the biggest Quentin Tarantino fan, but this movie um, kind of did it for me. I saw it when I was, I was kind of the uh, targeted demographic for, age demographic for that movie, and uh, it was... Uh, very intense. It was very over the top violent. Um, but it was, it was good. It was fun. It was a great story about revenge, and it's got Uma Thurman and her feet in it for a, uh, a scene, which was, which uh, kind of furthered uh, Quentin Tarantino's obsession with feet, especially Uma Thurman's feet. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I know it's ranked higher on other people's lists, so I won't uh, talk about it too much here. But uh, yeah, Kill Bill Volume One got two volumes second one eh. it's just funny i like the second one better but that's fair enough that's fair enough yeah. we'll talk about I, that yeah when it comes out. i i'll rank them about equally actually they're two very different movies they're though. no they are but mm-hmm. yeah i i like both genres yes yeah yeah uh, but yeah we'll we'll get to them later uh my number 10 uh keeping with the theme of silly action movies uh and this so the movie's the rundown. Okay, it's the first like solo real adventure with um, the you know most crazy busy man in Hollywood right now, Dwayne Johnson. Yes, uh, back when he was just the Rock, mm-hmm. um, and literally getting the torch passed um, yep. <laughs> in a, in a bar scene in with Arnold Schwarzenegger and just like the nod of approval, like yeah. go get him, kid. Yep. Uh, him, Sean William Scott, Rosario Dawson in mm-hmm. this movie, mm-hmm. Christopher Walken, Christopher Walken as the villain, which is so so good, so ridiculous and over the top. Um, Everything about this movie is over the top, and that's what makes it work. It yep. is a film that knows exactly what it is. It knows who its audience is. It knows what it's not. It doesn't take itself at all seriously, and no, that's what like, makes it work. In one of the fight scenes, like the rock former professional wrestler does his wrestling finishing move yes he yes. does the rock bottom. rock bottom um and yeah it's just ridiculous this movie uh as uh before we were recording logan mentioned this is one of two stupid action movies that With sean, sean William scott, scott yes of the year the other one being bulletproof monk which definitely the rundown has more merit the, yeah the, for sure <laughs> barely <laughs> bulletproof <laughs> monk is is much dumber but still fun yeah Yeah. uh but yeah the rundown was uh just a lot of fun 
good and that's good. and it, all it was meant to do so yeah it didn't it wasn't uh, trying to win any oscars yeah. or anything but but my number 10 was uh kind of the opposite of the rundown i would say the opposite of the rundown is the last samurai um <laughs> yeah okay. um, you know so historical epic directed by edward zwick um yeah. tom cruise you know being quite good um, I, it's a crazy person, but I really like a lot of his movies. Yeah, I love um, Tom Cruise. And it's basically it's 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 Dances with Wolves with Samurai. It's Dances with Samurai. But for some reason, body. I didn't like Dances with Wolves. I kind of hate that movie. Okay. Um, Last Samurai worked for me. I don't know. I'm not sure what about it exactly. Um, but it's a compelling story. You just love the Japanese. What can I say? Uh, apparently, yeah. I mean, those those udon noodles, so good. So. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, and like you said, like the the rundown is so over the top. Uh, but yeah, Last Samurai is very grounded, mm-hmm. very uh, super. It's a very it's a quiet movie for a movie that's really it is about war. I mean, yep. they're in the middle of this big conflict. It's a fairly calm movie for most of yeah, it. I want to sequences of yeah, pretty there's a couple action. intense action sequences, but yeah, other than that, it's a lot of contemplation yeah i really want to go watch it again it's been a long time since i saw it i've seen it a couple of times but very good um and then keeping it grounded and dark and gritty um, my number nine is mystic river Mm. which i only saw once it's one of the best movies i'll never watch again um no i do not want to watch that movie yeah exactly it's it's so directed by clint eastwood this was the movie that made me go wow this guy can direct the hell out of a film um but bleak and nihilistic and depressing and just dark. So it's a great film that I will never watch again. No desire. There is nothing uplifting about this movie whatsoever. Yeah. That that's, all I've got to say about Mystic River. It's really good once. Not going to get into any of the plot, just saying I watched it once and I never want to watch it again. Pretty much. Pretty much. It is a kind of a mystery movie. Um, Yeah. Well, I know what it's about. I think everybody might know what it's about. So it's about something very... Yeah, it's about a river. um, And it's mystical powers. mm -hmm, Exactly. Yep. And Tim Robbins is in it. Everybody's in it. Kevin Bacon's in it. Yep. Uh, Sean Penn. Uh, Chris Penn's brother. Um, (laughs) My number nine is a little bit different from uh, Mystic River there. It's a comedy. Go figure. And it's a Christmas movie. And it's one of three Christmas movies. Jingle all the way. Wrong year. Damn it. Jingle All the Way was 96, my friend. <laughs> um, it is a Christmas movie, uh, Bad Santa. It's with um, Billy Bob Thornton. It's got uh, the short guy from, uh, from Me, Myself, and Irene. Uh, <laughs> hi, Carl. And uh, it's got, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun, very dark uh, comedy. It uh, takes place during Christmas. It is very, fun. yeah, very hilarious. Um and they came out with a sequel recently that eh, didn't really need to happen. I didn't, yeah, I didn't really care for it, but I didn't really expect anything because uh, this movie kind of ends. Yeah, it perfectly. really does. And yeah, no, didn't great. Need a sequel. Really funny movie. And it has Lauren Graham in it, who I love. Oh, there we go. Thank you. We were just talking about this earlier, Kyle and I, because I'm rewatching Gilmore Girls, and mm. Lauren Graham is terrific, and she doesn't okay. do that many movies that I know of. Um, but she was in this, and she was really funny in this, yes, and she really was. charming. Very charming. She's a very charming actress. Yeah, what do you got for number nine there, Kyle? Uh, I have uh, pretty much the opposite of Bad Santa, a, a children's movie called Holes. Okay, with uh, Shia. With Shia LaBeouf, uh, Sigourney Weaver's in it? Yeah, Sigourney oh, yes. Weaver, John yes, Voight. Yes. John Voight, um, uh, Timothy, uh, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, Tim Blake yep. Nelson. Uh, uh, like yeah, fantastic movie. Uh, Dulé Hill is in it. I it, love Dulé um, Hill. Dulé Hill and Patricia Arquette. Or no, Roseanne Arquette. I'm going to look it up. Real quick, uh, kind of just going a little bit off topic just for a moment. Uh, Dulé Hill is coming back in the Psych movie later on this year. I didn't even know they were making a Psych movie. Now you know. And I, I saw the teaser trailer for it this morning, and it looks All you've got to do is watch so you know, 26 seasons of Psych to catch up and get ready. I think there's only like four or five. Oh, there's a lot more. Really? I don't know. Okay. Feels like there's a lot. Okay. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> I. Um, but yeah, it was per- yeah. Patricia Arquette. I was correct the first time. Yes, you were. Yeah. yeah. No holes. Holes. It has kind of a fairy tale feel to it. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. This was. This was just. Uh, was this a year later? 
I saw this shortly after I saw Tuck Everlasting, which I talked okay. about in our last episode. And again, Disney at this point was knocking its live action kids movies kind of out of the park. Yeah. I don't think I talked about it, but last year they also put out The Rookie, which was a Dennis Quaid baseball movie. Oh, yep. And again, terrific. Disney was really on a hot streak here. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it's like they, they had gone away from. Um, doing good animated movies and we're doing good yeah, live what was action this? movies. It was like the Spirit Stallion and the Cimarron Brother Bear era. Yeah. So like, yeah, their their animated movies were kind of falling a little bit short. But yeah, for the, the live action movies they were doing were really good. Well, they were um, just smart. I mean, they're mostly based on books, but they were picking good books yeah, to they adapt. Because um, yeah, Holes is based on a Lewis Satcher, you know, young adult novel. Yep. Um, yeah. Very good, good movie. Stuff. Good stuff. So what is your number eight? Uh, my number eight was, uh, I'm just going to mention it real quick because I know it's later on in your list, uh, uh, 28 Days Later. Oh, okay. So, yeah, we'll get to that one eventually. So your number eight, Gabe? My number eight is another Christmas movie. Go figure. Uh, love Can Actually. You? Okay. Yeah, I was like, you've got a lot of Christmas movies I this year. I love Christmas. I, I was just going to say, yeah, I love, I love the Christmas. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, love Actually, it's got... Every English actor who was famous during the day and uh, who are still famous, actually. It's got Hugh Grant. It's got Martin Freeman in a very rated R role. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's barely in the TV yep. cut and it's hilarious. Yep. And it's got... he's, yeah, he's like in he's in the, the airport scene at the end. Yeah. And it's like, didn't I we see this guy that. for like two minutes yep. earlier? Yep. <laughs> It's got uh, Alan Rickman, The Dearly Departed, uh, Emma Thompson. Yeah, the list goes on and on. And um, it's actually the opening lines uh, read by Hugh Grant about uh, Heathrow Airport. I'm, I'm just going to brag a little bit. I actually wrote, read those lines at my cousin's wedding because she wanted me to say a few things. My cousin's a big movie fan, and she wanted me to come up with a movie quote that was about love. And the opening lines were kind of summed up everything that you need to know about love and i thought it was beautiful so and it's and it's uh it's definitely started the whole um all these different storylines going on at one time not really interlinking all that much except for the end um and uh yeah and it was it was written and directed by richard curtis who had wrote uh four weddings and a funeral Mm -hmm. all and i believe bridget jones diary as well Hugh, hugh grant movies right there yeah and but yeah, it started the whole New Year's Eve, uh, Valentine's Day. Even there was a smaller movie that came out with a lot of people in it that I didn't hear about until about five years ago. I love you, you New York or New York. I love you, one of the two, it, which was in the same vein as these. Yeah, it's in the same vein. It's n- nothing. It's not the same quality ever. Right? Yeah, nothing ever comes as close in quality as this it's movie. Actually, it's a great um, movie, and it it has the. The spirit of the season all wrapped up in there, too. And uh, I love that movie. What do you got for number eight? Uh, I have The Runaway Jury. Oh. And I know I've talked in past episodes about John Grisham adaptations Mm -hmm. and how they're actually often really good. Is Gene Hackman in that or no? Yeah, no. So this was the movie that put together Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman. Okay. Yep. Um, And it's got other people. Rachel Wise is in it. John Cusack is in it. But the headliners... Are that it has Gene Hackman and Dustin Hoffman, you know, squaring off as opposing litigators, and it's just it's it, it's wonderful. It is one of my favorite Grisham adaptations. Okay. Um, not my favorite, but one of my favorite. And what would you say your favorite? Is? Well, I talked about it before, The Rainmaker. Yeah, you oh, said, it's you said really the fantastic. Yeah. Um, but this is a very good movie. Um, about you know. Well, basically, it's a movie about jury tampering, um, but it's it's kind of for a movie about the law, if you will. It is very exciting. It is very interesting. It's very action adventure pseudo espionage uh, but it balances it really well. It never makes it too cheesy where you feel like we're completely out of this. This is ridiculous and absurd. Um, it walks that line very carefully. Um, in this case, it is about uh, it's a trial about the gun industry, I think, which was interesting because... The book was about the cigarette industry, oh. but I think they wanted to make it even more immediate um, because gun violence is the thing. So it's popular. So hot right now. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, Runaway Jury, very, very good uh, under the radar movie that I feel like most people have not seen. Oh, fair enough. I will admit I haven't seen it, but I I will eventually because I know it's considered one of the best movies of all time, basically. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, he can breeze past my number seven. 
Um, and I believe we can breeze past Kyle's number seven, and we'll get to this in a little bit. But uh, still, tease. uh, Both of them are 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 X two, but we've we've got somebody else talking about that later. So I wonder who that could be. Yes. What is your number seven? My number seven is Bruce Almighty. It is. I'm not really ashamed to admit I love Jim Carrey in his comedic roles. Um, I appreciate him venturing out into his more dramatic roles, but uh, I think comedy is where he belongs and uh this was not his best uh comedic performance but it was it was definitely uh enjoyable and uh wouldn't have been half the movie if what uh, without him uh he plays god uh for a week and um all the fun stuff that goes along with having that control um is in this movie and but then all the there's some dramatic parts to it too but but for the most part it's just a romp at the at the movies and um yeah if you like Jim Carrey and uh, kind of overlook this movie just because of his quality of work uh, within the last 15 years, go out and check it out and uh, judge for yourself um, because it has a lot of good in it. Um, it yeah. So. Don't you mean a lot of God in it? A lot of God in it. Hey, Okay. <laughs> good job. Uh, what do you got for number? I'll, I'll just go straight to number six. Um, just going to briefly talk about this movie. Cold Mountain uh, came out, uh, came and went in theaters. Not a lot of people uh, saw it or talked about it. I remember seeing this movie. It not well for for class. Uh, we actually went to the theater down the street from where we went to went to school, and we uh, saw Cold Mountain. And I remember being riveted um, on the edge of my seat. It was a very in, at times intense movie. It was, I think, Jack White's um, acting debut, uh, and he was great in it. Um, and then it's got Jude Law, Nicole Kidman. It's about the Civil War, I want to say. Um, I, yes. I was going to say I could be wrong, but nope, he just confirmed I was correct about that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, Cold Mountain. Yeah, and you completely forgot the uh, Oscar-winning turn by Renee Zellweger. In That's that right. Yeah. I, yes, I did forget about that. <sighs> But she, she was in it, and she was Oscar-winning about that role. So, great character. But what do you got for number six, Logan? Uh, for my number six, I have a Western. And Ooh. I love a good Western, but they don't make them like they used to. So I try to see every Western that trickles out. Okay. And I'm very usually disappointed. Um, but Open Range was probably the best Western in the last, you know, two decades. Okay. Or right up there. The Coen Brothers True Grit uh, adaptation is fantastic. Um, there are a couple others, but Open Range was kind of the first modern era Western since uh, probably since Clint Eastwood stopped making Westerns hmm. um, that I you know saw and said, this is amazing. Um, it has uh, Robert Duvall, mm-hmm. um, who is always fantastic, yep. and Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, who I normally don't like all that much. I love yeah, that's um, why I never saw the movie. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a Kevin Costner fan. I won't I see a movie just for him, love Kevin but Costner. he's really good in this. It is It is a sparse simple western you know it, it's you know you got good guys you've got bad guys you know it doesn't a tell a very complicated story small town evil villains but it tells it really well it is very subtly done very well written the script is probably the best thing about it um dialogue is great acting is great is it's just a fantastic western um, fair enough go see it it's and if you don't like approval. it don't tell me okay <laughs> Oh boy! What do you got for number six, Kyle? Uh, my number six. Uh, you'll appreciate this because it's a comedy. I love it already. Uh, and it's one of the few movies that I can stand Will Ferrell in. Yay. It is. It is old school. Yay! It's like this movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Luke Wilson playing just the the straight man and. And then because he's so toned down in the movie, it lets your Vince Vaughn's and Will Ferrell's go crazy. Um, And go crazy. They did. They went crazy in this movie. Uh, It's got got quotable lines. It's got, Hey, didn't I lock you in a dumpster? I got out. And then also once it hits the lips, that's said at probably every college party nowadays, because uh, it's, it's a great college movie. It was a great college movie mm-hmm. starring some like 40 year olds starring older people. That's right. And it kind of jump started that whole um, boom of the Luke Wilson, the Vince Vaughn era, the Owen Wilson era. Um, 
even the Will Smith or Will Smith, the Will Ferrell, <laughs> um, even the Will Ferrell over the top goofball performances. I know he started on Saturday Night Live, but this kind of skyrocketed him. Into yeah, this the, this really launched his film yes, career. His film, yeah. Uh, and then later on, he did Anchorman, and then Talladega Nights, and Step Brothers. The list goes on. It really does. Yeah. Um, and there are some stinkers in there too, but he's always he's always fun to watch. But yeah. Um, and then my number five uh, is my my other real true I'll say true comedy because I have a, a higher up on the list is more of a romantic comedy. But my my number five is uh, School of Rock. Oh, great. Um, again, the the uh, uh, my love for Orange County uh, we talked about last year or uh, I really I think that benefited Jack Black the mm-hmm. next year, and it's also uh, Richard Linklater. Yes. <laughs> so you have a lot of my favorites yep. that I even at the time I didn't know. Um, like I didn't really know that it was a Richard Linklater movie. Well, it doesn't feel like a Richard it Linklater does movie, not, especially other than the fact that it's just terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so well done. It's toned down, simple. Um, but then you, because it's it's simple at points, you let Jack Black just be Jack Black mm-hmm. and have fun yes. teaching these kids how to play their instrument, play instruments. And, and that I think is one of the best things about it. If you're going to make a movie about a band, the band has to be good. Yeah. And yeah, in this movie, the music is is good. You want to listen to it. Good. You, yeah. It draws you in. And I feel like a lot of movies either it's not good enough or they just kind of gloss over it and just don't have much. They'll have like yep. one hit song yeah. that they keep repeating. Yep. Um, in this movie, the music is a big part of it and it works yes. really well. Not only the original stuff that they wrote, but like there are a couple of songs that they yeah. wrote, but but the, even the soundtrack itself, yep. it's got uh, the Ramones, it's got the Who, or yeah, uh, it's got uh, yeah, the list goes on. Yeah, yeah and there's rock. some Black Sabbath in there. But yeah, and like as as a as a guy who played guitar and like is very much in that that punk and hard rock vein, um, like those were the songs I started learning when I started playing guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, like the first, pretty much, if you play guitar, like one of the first things you learn, earn other than like "Smoke on the Water." Or is like Blitzkrieg Bop. Mm-hmm. Like you learn those fun little quick punky songs and go from there. Mm-hmm. So it was a perfect role for Jack Black because he could be over the top and typical what you remember about Jack Black back in the day. Um, but he's still endearing and it's still a great family movie. Um, you can bring your kids or pop it in the DVD or Blu ray player and yep. it, it's clean, good, clean ca- family yeah, fun. Yeah, it's, it's PG 13, but just barely. Just barely. Yeah, yeah like, I mean, I think maybe a few swears. That's yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what's your number five, Gabe? My number five actually goes back to Will Ferrell uh, and Christmas, believe it or not. Uh, it's Elf. Uh, it's this is another Will Ferrell movie that is very quotable. Uh, I love smiling. Smiling is my favorite. Um, you sit on a throne of lies. Uh, and I'm not going to just quote this movie nonstop. But, oh, thank uh, God. Yes. But uh, it introduced me to... Um, Zoe Deschanel, which, mm, which yeah, I yeah. enjoy yep. very much. Um, Her rare blonde roles. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's uh, got Will Ferrell being over the top. And I know I said old school kind of skyrocketed his career. But um, Elf kind of made it okay for families to enjoy Will Ferrell, too. And he's actually got some family movies out there that aren't bad. Um, but this one was probably the best of them. And... Um, I want. I try to watch it once a year. Um, I don't always get around to it, but it's uh, it's very cheesy, over the top, goofy, um, but got that Christmas spirit all over it. So, what do you got for number five, Logan? Another family movie. Uh, for me, it is Finding Nemo. Okay. Um, and I, I think that appears on at least one more of your list. We don't have to talk about it uh, all that much. I think probably ninety nine percent of anybody who was listening to this has seen Finding Nemo yeah. and knows that it's a terrific movie and hilarious and all of that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is slots into my number five, which seems a little low as I look at it, but it, yeah, so good. One of Pixar's best. I would agree with that. Um, and my number four was School of Rock, which we've already talked about. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it is one of the movies that I go to when people complain about Jack Black. 
like he's just annoying and i go well yes that's kind of his thing but yeah if you want to see him being annoying to a really good end go watch school of rock yes. or go watch be kind rewind which is a great movie and the hey, title of our podcast hey. yeah. um Correct. so that is my number four what is your number four game did we yeah we talked about uh, uh pirates of the caribbean curse of the black pearl I'm not going to talk too much about it because it appears on somebody else's list as well it uh, it launched the whole pirates um series take that however you want um, i take it as a as a boat pun there you go that's why i did it <laughs> um it is the most fun uh, of the of the series and would you say it's a flagship franchise yeah, for disney i would and um I don't want to kind of completely put down the sequels because I know a lot of, not a lot, but I know some people that I know, um, uh, friends, coworkers, uh, family members actually do enjoy them. Logan. And I don't want to make you feel bad, but, uh, but, but the first one is a classic. I think it, it uh, definitely solidified Johnny Depp as kind of the character actor that he came out to be. Um, it's the, basically the role he's been playing since these yes, movies. Yes, exactly. And literally because he's been Jack Sparrow five times now. Um, but he's a great character and I would, and I can watch him over and over again. Um, if there's one reason to watch the sequels, it's because of Jack Sparrow. He's a, he's fun. He's over the top. He's loony. He's drunk. So yeah. yeah. Pirates. Good. Good on you, Pirates. Uh, so then my number four, uh, Logan had just mentioned it, is uh, Finding Nemo. Okay. There you go. It's um, a movie that somehow missed my top ten. I don't know how that happened. Um, I guess when I was doing my research for 2003, I must have Forgot been, to have a heart. Uh, well, yeah. No, I must have I must have <laughs> overlooked it because uh, I, maybe it was the speed I was going. I don't know. But I very much enjoyed Finding Nemo. Um, me being a... Hater on kids' movies. Um, I actually <laughs> thought this had a lot of heart. Maybe it's the fact that I am a huge Albert Brooks fan um, because I think he can do no wrong. Yeah. I think he his best work was actually The Simpsons, believe it or not, uh, as Mr. Scorpion or Mrs. Scorpio. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's getting sidetracked a little bit. What did you like about Finding Nemo? Uh, this is, like I would mentioned in the previous podcast, that... I I felt like I was too mature for kids movies mm-hmm. is for a little bit but then I I'd, I'd started working at a video store and we could only watch movies that were PG or under on yes. the screens so I had to watch a lot of kids movies and I hated it for a really long time and then Finding Nemo came out okay and it's like oh I can just throw this on and I'm the only one in here all day. I'm just putting it on repeat. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on my little downtime would actually be able to get to watch it. And yeah, just a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually weirdly enough, not seen finding Dory yet. Well, I heard once if you've seen finding Nemo, you've seen finding Dory. That's what I hear. So. Yeah, yeah, but the, it has redeeming qualities to it. It has problems with it. It's, it's so, so Pixar. Yeah. Um, but like Finding Nemo is so good, good and um, uh, yeah, it's just it's such a fantastic movie. Good, good, good. Uh, and then my number three, we talked about uh, earlier uh, a little bit, but we'll get into it a little deeper now. Uh, and that's Kill Bill Volume One. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that I go from a kids movie to, to Kill Bill to Kill Bill. <laughs> Uh, hardcore, hardcore, yeah, very gory. Uh, so, but uh, genre bending too. There were a few different genres in this movie alone, and I thought that was awesome. yeah. And that's like I. That's why I, I tend to really enjoy Quentin Tarantino movies. Is taking all those references from other cinema and yeah. kind of combining it with his style. Yeah, and very unique style. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt like with Kill Bill Volume One. It was a stew that didn't quite come together. Um, okay. I thought I could see what he was attempting to do with, for example, the one that jumps out at me is the anime sequences. Oh, yes. Oh, God. I see what he was trying to do, but it didn't work for me. The anime you know, sequence was felt... very uh, adult. Oh, it was very adult. Yes. Uh, that's not the problem I have with it. It oh. just it, it pulls you out of the movie that you're in. I you know. disagree. I maybe saw it at the, at the proper time, but I thought that that sequence kind of tied the story not the story together but like it kind of definitely gave you backstory on uh 
Oh, Lucy Liu's character. I'm not saying there was an important narrative to it. I'm just saying it makes you sit back and go, it's whoa, a, this is yeah, anime. What the hell a, is this yeah, doing it's a, here? It's a, tonal, it's a tonal shift for sure going into that anime sequence. Um, but then once we go into that, like we, it's a tonal shift. But I think we, even though when we pop back into reality we're almost still in an anime like it's yeah well that was the thing i felt like it was unnecessary because of what he was doing with the film as a whole to actually make it animated it felt okay again stylistically it was too on the nose okay Um, so you're you're saying like that sequence to you would have maybe played better if it was still in that heavily stylized live action that yeah still live action okay hmm I, I can I can appreciate that because I can I can see where you're coming from with that and but yeah it's one of my favorite Tarantino movies uh, I was actually just talking in, uh, with uh, my roommate Shane Gabe's podcast on or yeah, Gabe's co-host work. on Character Work work uh, that uh, it's actually the Tarantino movie he hasn't seen yet he hasn't seen either of them huh. uh, which I'm going to rectify. Because uh, I own both of them, and it's like no. I, you're say, I thought Jackie Brown was the only one that everybody hasn't seen. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen it, so of course I've seen. It. Um, but yeah, uh, what's your number three? Uh, I think I'll just uh, talk about it. We've talked about it before. X Men, X Two, X Men United. Um, it was definitely the best in the franchise. Um, and I, when you say best of the franchise, you mean best of. The first three of the X-Men first movies? three. Okay. I will okay. say because um, I do good call on that because um, that would have painted a corner, painted me in a corner uh, later on in the years because I would consider first class my favorite X-Men movie of all time. Um, Does Logan count? Because Logan is probably my favorite X-Men movie. Well, yeah, it counts because it's, it's in that universe. Um, but Well, so is Deadpool. Is Deadpool an X-Men movie? Okay. All right. I would still say I would still say First Class was probably my favorite X Men movie, and I really liked Logan, uh, Logan and Deadpool. Um, but uh, but this movie kind of made it okay to like comic book movies. Um, I know Spider Man came out the previous year, um, but this was more of an actual story. Um, well, I mean, complete. also you had the first X Men that was fun. Yeah, but it was fine. Here you finally had the X Men being X Men. Yes. You know, doing X Men things, yes. and it added you know Alan Cumming playing Nightcrawler, who is oh, fantastic, fantastic opening so scene. Um, no, it just it it had it felt like a comic book movie in yeah. a way that the first X Men movie didn't. Yeah, yeah, it's got the uh, uh, mansion scene, the mansion raid scene with yeah, uh, which is one of my favorites in, the, yeah. in any X Men movie. It's a very um, PG thirteen version of what Logan is it, actually capable is. of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because that was uh, even in the director's commentary, Brian Singer pointed out that he almost got some criticism in the first one. That it's like, mm-hmm. well, you have Wolverine here, like you never really let him, yeah, be Wolverine, get unleashed mm-hmm. and be Wolverine, and then he's like, okay, <laughs> don't worry, yeah, we got I got this. that. And then my my favorite shot, honestly, in the entire franchise is the when the strikers. Uh, team is is going to shoot all the kids and then colossus yeah metals mm-hmm. up yep and it's like oh my god that's so cool yep. and then that's it like that's all you needed from colossus yep. it's like okay he's helping protect these kids mm-hmm. and giant like, german awesome russian yeah. russian sorry yeah <laughs> yes uh and then Iceman with his um protecting everybody else with the ice wall or yep. ba- pr- shielding uh logan with uh uh, striker and yeah uh, and then we get the rathacon moment <laughs> yeah. which that's legitimately from the director's cut uh, okay. from the director's commentary he says i wanted my rathacon <laughs> moment <laughs> i thought they him. did i thought they did a really good job in the movie too of making you feel sympathetic for the other mutants in a way that yeah, oftentimes you kind of go no you're just wrong you're the bad guys you're evil here with the whole pyro storyline yeah, there are moments where you're going, no, 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 wait, why are you stopping him? He's doing what's fair. Like you, the yeah. film generates, at least to me, for me, a lot of sympathy for him before yeah. he ultimately joins Magneto mm-hmm. and yep. becomes a quote unquote villain. Yep. Um, no, it was it was a very good movie. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for number three, Logan? I have Matchstick Men, which okay. is interesting. This is coming from Ridley Scott, who's made, you know, he did Blade Runner. Yeah. He did Alien, Black Hawk Down. 
at second to Black Hawk Down, Matchstick Man is my favorite Ridley Scott movie. Oh, okay. really? And it is it is the most un-Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott movie yeah. you'll ever see because it's this little film about a couple of con artists, one of whom has, I don't know if it's agoraphobia or he has a lot of things going on, nervous tics and yeah. problems and extreme obsessive compulsive disorder played to perfection by Nicolas Cage, Agreed. which is not a sentence you get to say very often. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of his... What better role? Absolutely. I would say typically with Nicolas Cage, at best you go, oh, he wasn't bad in that. The movie was good and he was fine. Yeah, he is terrific in this. He, he plays it, it mm-hmm. so well. Sam Rockwell plays his partner, um, and it is it's it's a very small movie. It's not yeah. big in scope, which is unusual for Ridley Scott, who is the master of the epic. Um, Did the girl ever go on to do anything? Or because no, I don't. I'm remember. literally just looking up. Uh, actually, later on in the year, in a movie that I think all of us. Uh, didn't have on our list. Uh, she was in uh, Big Big Fish. Oh, okay. I have it. I didn't like that movie. It was on my yeah, bottom it, of the year list. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, Matchstick Men is just is an intricate little movie. Um, it's a little bit of a puzzle box of a movie. You keep you know unloading things. Every time I watch it, I get a little more out of it. Um, and yeah, fantastic film. Third it. favorite of the year. I dig it. Did you talk about your number three, uh, Kyle? Yes, because it was Kill Bill. Okay, that's right. Um, what's your number two, Logan? Uh, so my number two is actually uh, Master and Commander Far Side of the World. Okay, um, and I know that's a mouthful. Um, it's a you know historical epic. It is you know a, a ships and sails movie uh, starring Russell Crowe at I would say kind of the height of of his career. He was making what I consider his best movies around then. I've yeah, not been agreed. as big a fan lately. Um, and directed by one of my favorite directors of all time, who makes a film. Every five to ten years. Um, Peter Weir, who okay. is stunning, but not a household name. Because what other movies has he done? He, probably his best known is Witness um, with Harrison Ford. Uh, he's a detective. Uh, he has to go undercover with the Amish. Um, oh, okay. It yep, sounds, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Yep. No, it's um, ringing a bell. So Witness uh, is probably, or The Truman Show is probably his other okay. big. Oh, here we go. Um, which is an, un, it's an odd one for Peter Weir, and he didn't write it. Um, but Master and Commander is this beautiful story. Um, and really, it's about Russell Crowe as the ship's captain and Paul Bettany as the ship's doctor. Love Paul Bettany. Um, Paul Bettany is, is, is fantastic. Um, and it is just, it is, it is gorgeously shot. It is a wonderful character piece. It is long. And there are moments where it doesn't seem like much is happening. So you might not like it. And I don't mean that derogatorily. Actually, um, I do want to give this movie a chance. I haven't officially seen it yet, but it is on my list to, of movies to see um, because I love Russell Crowe. And uh, I actually love uh, sailing movies. And it's uh, hopefully you would love it then because it, it's yeah. one of the best. Um, and sadly, my biggest disappointment is that they only made the one because it is based on a series of books of oh. maybe 20 or 30 books by yeah. Patrick O'Brien. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's like fun, funny enough how that year went and we'll get to the other boat franchise later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like they this seemed seemed franchise it worthy like franchise worthy and Oscar bait and it ended up being neither. Yeah, it came out. Everybody said, oh, this is good. Um, and then you never heard about it again and it didn't, I don't think it won any major awards, uh, which it is a crime. Um, and yeah. And normally you don't think of Oscar movies and franchise as the same thing, but you watch it right. and you fall in love with these characters so much. I would watch so many more movies okay. about them and what's happening. Yeah. To them. It, it was nominated for best picture as I'm looking up here. Uh, but the the only two that it actually won were for best cinematography, right. which deserving, very deserving, and uh, best sound editing. So more of the more of the technical right. side, but... which is yeah. And good. Peter Weir was nominated for best director, which is good. I, I don't think he's ever won, but he's very deserving. Um, yeah. And again, it's been forever. I think the last movie he made was in the early. Maybe 2010, the yeah, way back. Yeah, it says 2010. Uh, he has one is film upcoming uh, right now uh, that is... Wait for it. Uh, the Keep. Oh. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. That's been upcoming for about five years. Okay. So I don't think... I don't know what he's up to. Um, he doesn't make huge commercial success yeah, movies. Yeah, he's, he's done The, the um, Way Back. Yeah, probably his... his yeah, Truman Show is probably his Truman best Show, known. Yeah, Truman Show... Oh, 
for commercial success and maybe best known for maybe Dead Poet Society. Mm. Yeah, Dead Poet Society. Witness is pretty well known. Yeah. Um, if you get more obscure, you've got you know Picnic at Hanging Rock was his you know breakout oh, right. Australian movie. Um, uh, Fearless with Jeff Bridges. The Way Back is that with Steve Carell or am I thinking? No, of you're thinking of something else. Uh, the Way Back. The is, Way Way Back. I bet. A uh, group of prisoners uh, escaping the Gulag. Oh, okay. Colin Farrell, Ed Harris. Your, your buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. good okay. Good. On that note, what's your number two? Game? My number two is already mentioned, uh, but it's a, I love it. Uh, School of Rock. Um, it's in my opinion, it, it kind of, it's got an ending that. I didn't cry at, but I kind of teared up a little bit because of how great it was. It's just mm-hmm. these kids performing on stage at, at uh, Battle of the Bands and just winning over the crowd. And it was just such a pleasant, great way to wrap up this very endearing movie. And uh, by the way, like I don't know if we talked a whole lot about it. The kids in the movie were great, mm-hmm. especially the guitarist or the drummer. Um, the drummer ha- had more backstory than... Than the other, well, than the others, but no, actually, like they all kind of had their own their own story, and they're all unique. And um, uh, yeah. and then Summer, the like little yeah. s- uh, secretary, mm-hmm. ends up going on and Miranda Crossgrove yeah, and doing our iCarly and all yep. that kind of stuff. Huge Disney so. star right now, so good for her, good for her. And also, yeah, uh, Jack Black's performance is kind of flawless. It is your typical over the top Jack Black. Sarah Silverman is in this. Mm-hmm. I actually hate Sarah Silverman in this movie because she is a horrible person, um, but kind of gets the plot going. So she's very necessary for the movie to uh, otherwise. Yeah, this she's movie a necessary exist. evil, yes. which is her best kind of role. Yes. Uh, yes. And so yeah, then my number two, we we talked about it already, uh, but just touching on it once again, uh, Love Actually. Yeah. Uh, was my number two. Yeah. Uh, I watch it every Christmas. Good call. And yeah, it's a fantastic film. Yes, it is. And then uh, let's start with our number ones. And mine is <laughs> that other go. boat movie we talked <laughs> about <we> <laughs> earlier. <laughs> or uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Great movie. Uh, yeah. I don't think intended to be a franchise is like uh, master and commander I mean, with but disney i don't know if you ever don't intend for it to be a franchise that's true by the way can we just briefly talk about the score uh that was oh, a very powerful and memorable score so, so good um who did that score i know hans zimmer Williams. was part of it but i don't okay. know if he's the primary credit okay okay um but then uh yeah i can't remember his name uh, uh, gore is director um he's yeah gore, some... which like i i think i've I've stated this before. I am one of those people that hates The Ring. Okay. Um, I never liked that movie, uh, but he's a actually fantastic director. Yeah. For yeah. When given in good material, and he has good material. Well, I think this the key year. here too with Pirates was that the studio let them do what they did. Mm-hmm. So you know, you talk about Johnny Depp, and I think it's pretty common knowledge at this point that the studio wanted him to play it straight. And just be a normal pirate, mm. you know, just oh. all that. And he wanted to do this kind of, you know, he wanted to be Jack Sparrow. He wanted to be quirky and goofy and odd and funny. And the studio, God bless him, was hands off enough to let that happen. Yeah. Um, and you look around at the things happening now, like uh, the the guys being fired from the Han Solo movie and yeah. stuff like that. And Disney is so the opposite of that now. Right. Yeah. Um, you look at them, you know, disagreements with Edgar Wright and, say, and falling off of Ant-Man. Ant-Man yeah. um, and you wonder what could have been because you look at something like pirates and go trust the talent mm-hmm. and see what happens. Um, yeah. I mean, right. I even, I even didn't mind uh, Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley in the movie. Uh, I, because... Keira Knightley is a terrific actress. Orlando Bloom is the miracle that, you know, you don't mind him. Well, yeah, I mean, like, as the franchise went on, I kind of didn't really care about their characters anymore, especially Orlando Bloom, because as the movies went on, he kind of became a background character, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, but uh, but in the, the first movie, they're very charming. You kind of root for them as a couple. And yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think this goes without saying, but I think it has one of the best movie sword fights. Yeah in history like it to me it's it's up there with the 
uh, the Inigo Montoya uh, yeah. sword fight with with uh, yeah and uh, yeah with uh, Dread Pirate Roberts and Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Because I think in and in that case, like you see, actually, uh, what works best in this movie is the fact that you have this fun action, but you also have character development at the same time yeah. and comedic beats at the same time and all of this rolled into one Um, and then speaking of ones what is your number one Gabe? my number one is the end of a franchise that has taken over my list over the past three years uh lord of the rings the return of the king um we ranked them on an earlier episode it is my it's probably mine as well as everybody else's least favorite lord of the rings movie but that's not giving it as much credit as it deserves because it is still a great movie. Um, I will say probably about half the movie is basically one big battle scene um, that the more I think about it, the more kind of frustrates me about the whole ghost pirate ex machina ending um, because they came in and just kind of swept everybody out and uh, rightfully so because you can't kill a ghost. Um, but I think then, the thing that bothered me most about that was they they just looked ridiculous. Well, yeah, I like, mean, could they not come up with something that was more visually? They looked like they were drawn with green crayons. Okay, well, not that bad, but but uh, but they just kind of show up at the end of this big battle where everybody's dying and everybody's giving it their all, and then they just kind of literally sweep the entire battlefield and take everybody out, which was great, but kind of makes the battle before that not that much necessary but after that's over is still about actually about an hour left of the movie because you got um frodo and sam getting to the uh getting to mount, mount spoilers Doom. yeah okay for a franchise that's been around since the 40s or 30s or whatever um but then everybody kind of like like uh, was kind of sick of the uh five endings of the of the of the franchise but okay here's my opinion on that it does have five or six different endings where you think it's the end and then they keep going um it's the end of a franchise of an epic franchise that many regard as the best trilogy of all time and so i kind of excuse the fact that they have these um endings because you're saying goodbye to all these characters individually and you're seeing like their comeuppance and and like where they end up in the world um, I don't. I don't feel like the problem though is with the story itself. The problem lies in how, how Peter presented. Jackson handled it. As I recall, they even faded out on multiple endings. Yeah. Yeah. it's like if you cut the movie in such a way that you're wrapping things up, but it still feels like the movie's happening. It's fine. It's yeah. that cinematically, he painted each one as an ending, and sure. you're like, should I get up yet? Oh no, there's more. Should yeah. I get up yet? And this is coming from someone who adores the Lord of the Rings as yeah. a story. Um. I felt like most of the fault of the return of the King was just on. And I don't know why, because the other two movies didn't have the same breadth of problems that return of the King did in terms of construction. Yeah. But, uh, I still think return of the King had a lot of redeeming, um, values of it. Um, I thought it turned out that Billy Boyd turns out to be a great singer, um, because he's got that song while everybody's going, charging into battle. Speaking of, I do believe Billy Boyd is in my second favorite movie, The Master and Commander. One yes. more reason oh, you to go see it. I, I love, I sold. Uh, I love Billy Boyd. Love and I love the fact that we criticize the filmmaking techniques of uh, Lord of the Rings. What do you got? And Return of the King. Um, it won Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Editing. But we all know that this was Hollywood's makeup year because they was didn't give it anything yeah. big for the yep. first two. And they were like, oh, crap. <laughs> This is the last Lord of the Rings movie, and we ignored it for two years. Mm-hmm. Well, people are going to hate us, and so they gave it all to the worst film in the franchise. Yeah. Fair enough. Much like uh, basically the Lifetime Achievement Award that Martin Scorsese yes. gets for right? Departed, which I love the Departed, but it's like that's not his strongest film. But It's a very strong film. It's though. a very like strong it's film, but very strong. We'll, film. Get, we'll get to that we'll get later. Oh, yeah. It's probably my favorite Martin Scorsese movie, believe it or not. I believe um, it. It might be mine, too. So, um, what do you right, got? So, number my one? number one movie of the year is 28 Days Later. Okay. And 28 Days Later started several things for me. One, it 
introduced me to Killian Murphy, who is now one of my favorite actors. That's the best name in Hollywood. Um, he's he's fantastic. He doesn't get enough starring roles, but it, it put him in, in a very and did this really smart. It put him in the quote unquote action hero role. Now he doesn't play an action hero. He plays a bicycle courier, you know, who wakes up in the hospital after the zombie apocalypse in what has now been a very stolen sequence. Mm-hmm. You know, he wakes up, the zombie apocalypse has happened, he wanders around the empty streets. We've seen that in The Walking Dead and a million other places which, since. Which, but, uh, at, least, at least The Walking Dead, I want to say the caption is actually like 27 days later. Like, oh it's boy. clearly yeah. it's clearly an homage and okay. a joke okay. of, um, yeah, he wakes up in the hospital, yeah. But, you know, he plays, he plays this character who really is not, you know, an action hero who's kind of thrust into these extreme circumstances and it's it's great because it's a zombie movie. You look around at other zombie movies, and they have you know they, they're very actiony. You look at all the George Romero movies, and they're actiony. Um, I and, hear, hear this one's technically not a zombie movie though because these aren't. These it's are a just zombie like, movie. Uh, I, I don't. People are splitting hairs. Movie, it's no a matter zombie what movie. People Running zombies. Um, and here, your heroes are Killian Murphy. You know this. You know skinny, pasty Englishman, mm-hmm. and Brendan Gleeson. And actually, funnily enough, the girl in this, whose name I can't remember, also plays in the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie as uh, Calypso. Um, oh, yeah. I know. Who you're and then about. Brendan Gleeson's daughter um, in the movie. Um, and those are those are your four main characters. And it's really it's, it's it's a zombie movie that is about, you know, humanity and humans. And it's it's terrifying and scary because of that the, the scariest things in this movie are not the zombies it's you know some of the people they encounter um and that's that's where the film culminates sure. and gets incredible and the other thing that this movie introduced me to was danny boyle mm-hmm. um this was his second big breakout film after train spotting um yeah um me personally i'm not gonna see a danny boyle fan film because it was directed by Danny Boyle. I respect the guy. I respect what he's done for cinema, but um, I I think he's made a couple stinkers. Not stinkers, but like not. See, I wouldn't say stinkers. He's movies. made a couple of movies where I went, okay, that was good, not great. Yeah, yeah. But since he really burst on the scene, hours. since he burst on the scene, yeah. he has made terrific. So he's done Train Spotting. Yeah. Which is amazing. He's done Twenty Eight Days Later, which is one of my favorite films of all time, not just this year. Okay. Um, he did Sunshine, which, yeah. while flawed, okay. yep. is also one of my favorite Fantastic. films. Another great we'll score. get to that. He did Millions, which was okay. That was not one of my favorites. Never even heard of it. He did Slumdog Millionaire, one of the yeah. terrific film. You know, really great. That's probably one of my favorites of that year. We'll get to yeah, that. He will. Um, he did what am I forgetting here? One hundred twenty-seven hours. One hundred twenty-seven hours, which was Again, good, not great. Very good movie. Um, he did Trance, which was okay, um, and then he did the Train Spotting sequel, which I have not seen yet. But um, I haven't heard anything about it, good or bad. So that kind of yeah, I, I did not hear a ton. But he did. He's just done a string of some of the best films every year um, that he makes a film. And here to disagree. No, I, I don't agree to that. Um, but anyway, Twenty Eight Days Later, absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, if we do a top twenty films of all time. You'll hear about it again, I'm sure. Oh, and he also did Steve Jobs, which was... That's right. He did Steve Jobs, oh, yeah. which both he directed the hell out of it and Aaron Sorkin's script. Yeah. But we'll get to that, too. But again, that's another mark in the column of Danny Boyle is one of the best directors working. I disagree, but that's okay, because everybody is entitled to their own opinion. Except Logan. for you. God, You don't up. get an opinion. <laughs> Uh, that'll do it for 2003. Um, join us next year, will ya? We'll talk about 2004, a very strong year in cinema. Um, we're kind of returning to that kind of thing. Um, yeah, kind of a little tease. A lot, of, a lot of great movies to talk about in 2004. Um, this has been Gabe. This has been Logan. And Kyle. We'll see you next year. See you next year.